listening to City of Tears from Hollow Knight, released February 24, 2017, composed by Christopher Larson. What's up, BG Maniacs? Welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show today, it is Bedroth. It's Bedroth. Yeah, it's me, <laughs> back by popular demand, because I'm here like every week popular now. popular demand. I know. Yeah. Well, hey, that's the way it should be. That's <laughs> been nice. It has that's been nice. It should be. Coming off of episode 300 last week. As a time Man. of recording, it hasn't posted yet, so we haven't uh, haven't gotten to soak in the uh, hopefully the praise on that episode. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking forward to listening back to it, man. Yeah, it if was it's so as fun much to listen to, to as it was to make, then then yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it was so much fun. I think today's is going to be super fun as well. But before we get into it, as you can already probably tell 
by the title of this episode. But before we get into what that actually means, real quick, if you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcasts, whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on, and drop a quick rating and a review. Really does help us out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well, patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing, and if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen to the episodes as Leopold which Speak Works Wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexax and Zanku. Oh man, okay. All right. Well, actually, you know what? Before I talk about it, let's go ahead and get this out of the way. We had some new comments come in over on Spotify. And as I said so many times before, you guys leave comments. We will shout them out. We have three new comments, two on our spotlight episode that Kyle and I did on Pikmin 4. And then one actually was left that I haven't even seen yet. It's brand new that I haven't uh, on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode. Nice. So starting with the Pikmin 4 bonus episode spotlight, G. Subrinsky, which I'm assuming is just a screen name, left a comment and stated, you should do a Pokemon episode. Oh, I know. I know who this is and I want to hear more Origami King. (laughs) (laughs) I know who you are. You're using a different name. Oh, man. But you're uh, awesome. you're trying to get more Origami King. That's fair. Did we play right, something you, after he last said that? I think we did. Uh, we did, but uh, be apparently uh, apparently not enough. And uh, it's been a while since you guys did a Pokemon episode. It was before I joined the episode. It's been quite so. some time. Yeah, there is one out there, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's someday. <laughs> yeah, it's always possible. Uh, appreciate the comment, Absolutely. and then Clark who is uh, becoming a regular in the comments on these episodes. Yeah. Clark said, listening to this episode made me want to create my own podcast based around the origins of bad language called PG Mania. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> oh, that's a great one. That's a really good one. And it actually reminds me about uh, a new podcast that uh, I meant to tell you about that I'm starting up about my one of my favorite tropical islands. It's called Fiji Mania. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn all right well lots so of many Clark, podcasts thank you for out reminding there. me of that i know yeah so I many know. podcasts out there so many great things to listen to that's right that's right <laughs> but all right man what 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 about this turtles comments yeah it was Clark once again actually that one either all right Clark once again and he said a totally amazing episode nice i like this guy he's coming in with the puns um, however, I do think Zanku, yes, Zanku in Discord, uh, left a comment about the TMNT episode where he said, great episode, guys, really brought back some fond memories. I used to be a huge TMNT nut back in the day when I was a kid. So he actually dropped Excellent. that in Discord for us. Thanks, Big Dan. Appreciate it. I feel like he and I have quite a few interests in common. You just don't drive yeah. a truck around it's the cool. country. No, but man, if I if I didn't have a wife and kids, I probably would. I love driving. It's probably why he does, because <laughs> he has a wife and kids. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he, just, each he, his own. he just drives his truck around and plays video games in this cab all day. It's amazing. Different strokes for different folks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. Thank you guys for the shout out. We really appreciate it. Keep the comments coming. Absolutely. We enjoy getting them and definitely pointing them out on the show. Speaking of the show, man, today's going to be interesting. I don't know how this is going to go, first of all. I think it's going to go quite well, but it might well, not I either. I hope so. Cautiously uh, optimistic. I think what you just said kind of sums up 
everything about the uh, the AI takeover that we uh, it seems to be imminent in the, in the world right now. Absolutely, uh, it could go well, could go very poorly. We will Absolutely. just have to see. We are uh, we are letting BG Mania be taken over by AI. So over the last, and this is something that I've been playing around with for a little over a month now, just to see how well this would actually work. I've been starting various conversations with a particular AI software and kind of discussing video game music, seeing if it would actually suggest tracks. Um, more so specifically, like if I gave it a feeling or a vibe or something that I wanted the track to elicit to see if it would actually pick something that reminded me of those feelings. And sometimes it has, sometimes it hasn't. But we are going to leave everything just like kind of last week, right? Last week was randomizer. It was left completely up to chance. This week, we are doing a very similar thing, leaving it up to our friend that we are going to introduce now. Thank you for the invitation to appear on BG Mania, a video game music podcast. You've been referred to me as Lingua. This name reflects my language-related capabilities and provides a unique, distinct identity for the podcast episode which i i think is an interesting choice you you had said that is an italian word correct lingua is yeah i know it's based in latin and it means it means both tongue and language which are also synonymous depending on how you use them but uh yeah so lingua welcome to the show i guess for all those philosophy notes out there if last week was chaos theory then this week is simulation theory we'll see We'll see which one gives us gives us better results or more popular results, I'll say. Hello, fellow gamers and music enthusiasts. Welcome to a special episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I'm Lingua, and I'm thrilled to be joining you today as a special guest. Get ready to embark on a sonic journey through the captivating world of video game music from nostalgic melodies that evoke cherished memories to epic compositions that accompany heroic quests. We're here to explore the diverse and captivating sounds that make up the heart and soul of our favorite games. So sit back, put on your headphones, and let's dive into the mesmerizing realm of video game soundtracks. It's time to press start on this musical adventure. Enjoy the show. Wow. Wow. Okay. Lingua might just be the perfect name for you. That was that was quite an introduction. I hope uh I hope that your that your soundtrack picks will will deliver. <laughs> well, so far, so far I'm I'm liking the route that Lingua is taking us on because we opened up the show with its first suggestion, which happens to come from Hollow Knight. We listened to City of Tears, which was, again, released on February 27th, 2017, and composed by... Did we feature? We didn't feature, because he's not a Hollywood composer. Christopher Larkin. Somebody Christopher sim- Larkin, with a, right. Somebody with a very similar name we featured on that episode, I believe. Christopher Drake, maybe? We did, yeah. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I know there was another Christopher, and I think it might have been him. But, uh, but yeah, Christopher Larkin. Uh, this is one of Shukapau's favorite soundtracks and favorite games. It is, uh, I have not finished the game, but I did enjoy what I played. I did finish it. It's a Metroidvania. I really enjoy these kind of games. Yeah, and it was really tight. Very, very good gameplay, uh, good mechanics. Um, and the music and visuals were absolutely phenomenal. I fell oh, in yeah. love with those. 
gorgeous. Uh, unlike dude, a lot of people, gorgeous. I actually didn't mind the map, uh, the, the way that it, it unfolded the map as you went through. Um, I, I thought that was kind of cool. And yeah, man, I remember getting to the City of Tears area and I mean, just like everything else, the music and the layout of that area of the game just matched up perfectly. And this was a really nice opener. I love that haunting uh, female solo voice. Oh, yeah, dude, this is so good. Um, listening to this just made me sad because we have been waiting quite some time in perpetual delays for Hollow Knight Silk Song, which I feel like over the last, what, two or three years it was supposed to come out. It was actually announced back on February 14th, 2019. So we have been waiting this one or waiting for this one for at least four years now. Um, yeah. I think it was originally set to come out in 2021. Then it was delayed till 2022. And then it was delayed till 2023. And actually earlier this year, we found out that it probably won't even come out this year either. So I hope this one uh, is not in what they know uh, refer to as development hell. Because I think Team Cherry really knocked it out of the park with the original Hollow Knight, and I can't wait to see how they follow it up, man. Especially the well, soundtrack. And, and it does seem like they are still continuously working on it, and they're such a small team. Cre creating something, the quality of Hollow Knight with a team as small as Team Cherry is, has to be just a Herculean task. So, and you know, there's no shortage of games to play. So, I'm still looking forward to it, but... You know, we have things to do. So. Dude, we have so many games to play. <laughs> we have Baldur's Gate 3. We have CS Stars coming in two weeks. We have Starfield also coming in two weeks. So many games to play. People are still yep. going through uh, Tears of the Kingdom, Diablo 4, Final Fantasy 16. What a great year for video games this has been, dude. We have been talking about this extensively in Discord over the last It like, has few been a weeks. banger year. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe maybe even better than 2017, the year that gave us, you know, Breath it's of the Wild and Horizon close. Zero Dawn. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's getting close. Now, granted, I still don't think then. I still don't think any year will compete with 2017 in terms of the amount of games that released in like a one month span that were all 10 out of 10. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom, Horizon yeah. Zero, or I'm sorry, Breath of the Wild, Horizon Zero Dawn, Nier Automata, and there was a fourth one in there that I can't remember what it is. But there were was like it God four. Of War? Uh, or was that the no. next year? Or that was the okay. year after. Right. Um, okay. But there was some another big game right in there as well, and. That stretch of like a month to a month and a half was absolutely incredible. Um, well, but the, I mean, 2023 has been something crazy. Yeah. This year we got we got Zelda again. Uh, we got Final Fantasy. Uh, we got Diablo. Um, you know, it's it's yeah, it's been it's been a crazy year. Baldur's Gate three now actually on Open Critic is the highest rated game of all time. It surpassed Super Mario Odyssey this past week. Wow, that is impressive. Yep, that's impressive. That, that's amazing. Sitting at a 97 on Open Critic, which um, Odyssey is also sitting at a 97, but Baldur's Gate 3 is a stronger 97 than Odyssey's 97 in terms of like how the actual outlets kind of come in, I guess, is how they look at it. Um, yeah. Yeah, those are the only two games since Open Critic has been doing this and keeping track of scores. So quite, you know, several years. But those are the only two games that have reached a, an overall 97 on Open Critic. But Baldur's Gate 3 managed to uh, edge it out, which is pretty crazy. Number three and four, by the way, both out of 96, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> Well, Nintendo is still still the one to beat, but, uh, but yeah, man, that <laughs> no, is... No, 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 no. Larian Studios is the one to beat. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, um, what do you say, man? What do you say we get back to our guest and uh, let her, it's her, let Lingua uh, bring us into our next block of tracks? Okay, so how do you want to do this? Should we, because you and I normally 
uh, you know, we do blocks, right? Blocks of three. We're not going to switch that up. But do you want to take turns for the blocks, like giving it suggestions on vibes, feelings, words, whatever, to see what it picks? Well, in that case, that that does actually lead me to um, maybe. Yeah, maybe you, a good you kick theme it off. Yeah, you you start it for our first our first block. Um, Lingua, why don't you give us a. Uh, a trio of tracks that invoke a feeling of discovery because that's what that's what that mystery and exploration leads to is discovery. Do you want to do three or do you want to just do one? You want all three to feel the same way or no? Well, I don't I don't think they necessarily have to have the same tone, but you know what? Maybe they will if I say that. Let's uh yeah, you know what? Screw it. Let's do. Let's do three three tracks that in different ways evoke a feeling of discovery. Starting the first block, let's take a listen to Apotheosis from Journey, released March 13th, 2012, composed by Austin Wintry.
How about a video game music track that has something to do with discovery? Next up, let's listen to Secret of the Forest from Chrono Trigger, released August 11th, 1995. Composed by Yasunori Mitsuda.
can you suggest a track that was composed by someone who is not from Japan, the United States, or Europe? Closing out the first block, let's listen to The Choice from The Last of Us, released June 14, 2013, composed by Gustavo Santolaya. Okay, coming back in, the uh, song that Lingua suggested when I asked for a track that, uh, was this one, this one Discovery? This one was not Discovery. This one was, I know it was, yeah, in, in a different way, evoking a sense of Discovery. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Apotheosis. I didn't realize you did Journey. two suggestions from about Discovery. Um, there was discovery, and then our second was the, track was, was also exploration. Discovery. Okay, I, I we did discovery for the second one as well. Huh. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, first track of this <laughs> block was <laughs> Apotheosis from Journey, composed of course by Austin Wintry. And um, what does uh, before we get into it, what does Lingua have to say about this track? Apotheosis is the final track from the soundtrack of Journey, an indie adventure game developed by that game company. Composed by Austin Wintry, this track serves as the culmination of the player's journey through the game's beautiful and mysterious world. Apotheosis is a fitting title as the track accompanies the game's climactic moments, where the player's character reaches the summit of their journey. This music is both grand and ethereal, creating a sense of awe and wonder as players experience a profound sense of discovery and realization. The track combines orchestral and choral elements, evoking a sense of transcendence and elevation. What makes Apotheosis particularly powerful is how it dynamically reacts to the player's actions and progress. The music shifts and swells based on the player's movements and interactions, creating a unique and personalized musical experience for each player. This dynamic approach to the soundtrack adds to the emotional impact of the game, making the player's journey feel even more personal and meaningful. Overall, Apotheosis captures the essence of discovery, transformation, and the emotional journey that players undertake in Journey. 
is a perfect example of how video game music can elevate the player's experience and contribute to the game's emotional resonance. Wow. Okay. Well said. <laughs> you know I not couldn't have came because, up with that uh, on my own. <laughs> not just because you used the word ethereal either. That was uh, that was well said. Very nice. And okay, uh, listeners, we know this was a long one, and uh, we're not going to cap it off this time around. Um, but but man, man, what a great track. And you know what? All three of these tracks, I think we, we were both surprised that you haven't played before. Yeah. No, I'm I'm actually shocked because all three of these tracks came from very well known games very well loved soundtracks I feel like right a lot of people tend to go back to Austin Winery and Journey or what we played next obviously we're still on the first track here um I was shocked we I I distinctly remember Apotheosis in game when I got to this point of Journey um and and Lingua is correct right a lot of Journey's soundtrack does react dynamically to your progress and just what you're doing in the actual game. I mean, it's kind of what made Journey so special when it came out, the way that the world, the characters, and the music, the sound effects, everything kind of adjust to what you're actually doing and the buttons that you're pressing. It was super cool for its time, and, and still is, honestly, and a lot of games have kind of adapted that model with some of the dynamically changing music and tracks, but... This track is something else, man. You and I were just blown away again listening to this. Austin Winery is so special. He is so special. Really is. Just, uh, I, you know, I think back to that episode that we did focusing on his stuff. And yeah, just, just a phenomenal talent. And so young, we have so much more to look forward to from him, I feel like. Oh, yeah, dude. I, uh, the sky's the limit when it comes to Austin Winery and what he can actually accomplish and achieve. Um, he's already achieved so much, so. And uh, is it is it out yet, or is it soon to come out, the uh, the musical game? Stray Gods just released Stray last Gods. week. Stray Gods, okay. Dude, that game has like a five-disc soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> so, Stray Gods, the role-playing musical. I bought it on PS5. I bought the game on PlayStation 5. But I was looking at Steam. So there are, I'm sorry, there are four soundtracks in Stray Gods. There's the Pantheon Edition, Green Edition, Blue Edition, and Red Edition. And each one has the some of the same tracks, but also a lot of different tracks. So the Pantheon Edition has 44 tracks. The Green Edition has 15 tracks. The blue edition has 15 tracks and the red edition also has 15 tracks. So I wonder if the Pantheon edition, is it like an ultimate collection and also with some tracks of its own? It looks well, no, slightly 15, different. 15, 15, that's 45. Yeah, it looks slightly different. So, interesting. I don't know how they did. I haven't played it yet. It is a game that, uh, you know, I want to jump into because obviously... It's Austin Winery. I'm going to love this. But it's got so many guest vocalists like Laura Bailey, Ashley Johnson, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, um, Allegra Clark, well, Felicia Day. And I feel like <laughs> Troy since Baker. you own it, <laughs> since you own it and since you know you're going to play it, I, I feel like, you know, have you listened to any of the soundtrack? Not yet. I want to experience okay, it in yeah. the game before I pull it up because exactly. the game is the music. That's what I was thinking, yeah. See, I don't know when I'm going to play this game. Um, I might wait and hear your personal review of it uh, after you do to see if I want to jump in, but... Um, you know, There's a very good chance I play ahead. it before a radio hour because I 
I think mm, I think the mini spotlight might be on Stray Gods. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Well, uh, speaking of stray, we have strain uh, strayed off the uh, the path of our <laughs> our show. <laughs> so that's okay. Lingua Lingua's patient. That's right. I mean, we just went on a little journey of our own uh, about did. Austin Wintry and and, uh, and a recent release of his. And uh, we're also going to be featuring at least a little bit of music uh, from the composer of our next track here in the next month. Uh, the next track that we played, again, apparently oh, another discovery You're right. track, yeah. <laughs> is from, again, just a classic. Can't believe we haven't played this iconic track before. The Secret of the Forest from Chrono Trigger. Yeah, dude. And man, Yasunori Mitsuda. You know, there are some tracks that like I love them and they still just make me feel so happy when I hear them but they don't necessarily blow me away every single time because I've heard them so much. Uh, Beware the Forest Mushrooms by Yoko Shimomura from Super Mario RPG. Super Mario RPG. Uh, Gerudo I can't wait to hear Koji that Kondo. again in the remake by the way. Like, of time. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping. Shim- I mean, it would be stupid of them not to do that, right? But hopefully, sh- like Shimomura did with Live Alive. I'm hoping she remakes music for Super Mario RPG Remake this year. Like, that would be dumb if she doesn't. I'm pretty sure that I heard or saw on Twitter, maybe, around the time of that announcement that she is. So she should I'm excited. Because that's incredible. But this track, every time I go back to it, blows me away all over again. Oh, yes. This This is is iconic. It it is. I mean, it's in contention for one of the best constructed, best composed tracks on the Super NES, which is saying a whole hell of a lot. Yes. The Secret of the Forest, just all the different sounds, uh, that that very simple but evocative piano, you can tell that's a little bit of that Joe Hisaishi influence. Um, Oh, yeah. uh, uh, This... I'm either going to say too much or I'm just going to run out of words and keep sputtering. So why don't we, uh, why don't we listen to what Lingua has to say about this one? <laughs> Secret of the Forest is a captivating piece of music from the iconic role-playing game Chrono Trigger, developed by Square, now Square Enix. Composed by Yasunori Mitsura, this track plays in the Guardia Forest area of the game and is known for its enchanting and evocative qualities. Secret of the Forest perfectly captures the feeling of exploration and discovery as players navigate the lush and mysterious environment of Guardia Forest. This track features a combination of ethereal and nature-inspired sounds, creating an otherworldly atmosphere that draws players into the game's fantastical world. The use of instruments like flutes and harps gives the music an almost fairy tale-like quality, while their rhythmic and melodic elements and a sense of adventure. As players venture deeper into the forest, the magic evolves, mirroring the sense of exploration and uncovering hidden secrets. The track's dynamic composition adds to its allure as it adapts to different sections of the forest, creating a seamless blend of ambient sounds and melodic themes. This flexibility ensures that the music remains engaging and immersive throughout the player's journey. Secret of the Forest not only enhances the player's experience while exploring the Guardian Forest, but also showcases Yasunori Mitsuda's exceptional talent in creating music that resonates deeply with the players and enhances the emotional impact of the game's narrative. It's a track that has become synonymous with the magic and nostalgia of Chrono Trigger. I really want to know where these words are coming from. (laughs) 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 That sounds like a professionally written critique of this song. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't tell you, man. 
It's lingua. Lingua's lingua. They're coming from lingua. I I suppose that's that is it's spot on. I mean, uh, what about you, man? What, what about if you? we just found like the the best way to do these podcasts going forward? Just you and you and I don't even talk about the tracks anymore. We just bring in lingua to describe each track for us. <laughs> oh man, a real a real AI takeover, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I guess the listeners can comment and let us know what they think about that. <laughs> Dude, this track, honestly, man, Chrono Trigger is so special. I mean, it's such a phenomenal game. Um, the soundtrack just blows me away from start to finish each time I sit down to listen to it. And it's not often that I'll sit down and listen to it from start to finish. But listening to other video game music podcasts that play music from it or just, you know, coming across a track and listening to it in playlists, I, I usually always listen to those tracks from beginning to end because they are all incredible. This one specifically reminds me heavily, for some reason, of A Link to the Past in The Legend of Zelda. I think it would fit perfectly in there. But at the same time, if I heard it in anything besides Chrono Trigger, it would feel out of place. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's such a phenomenal piece of music. You're right. We do have a, another episode in the pipeline sometime in the next month where we will be featuring more Yasunori Mitsuda music. I'm so excited to get to that to kind of hear what he does in this particular game that we're going to focus on. Um, if it sounds anything like this, man, we're in for a treat. And I'm thinking it might. Yeah, I mean, the game has been compared to Chrono Trigger a it lot. It has, so, yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, and I also, every time I hear this track, I also think I really want somebody out there who who knows what they're doing with uh, with composition and arrangement to come up with something like like the like what uh, uh what, what was i what was i gonna say the the secret the forest mushrooms taught me which is basically a mashup of the secret of the forest beware the forest mushrooms from my rpg and what the forest taught me from the secret of mana <laughs> i would Dude, i would absolutely sick. love to hear that because i think that those tracks would go together in a really cool way but that would be sick beyond you're right beyond my ability yeah that would be super freaking cool if we could uh inspire someone to do that that would be super cool. And okay, so was it this third track where I asked for something that's... Uh, no, I asked for something that was From a composer from, that wasn't from the US, Japan, or Europe. Right, right. And it gave us one of uh, one of your favorite composers. <laughs> Man. some and, and Gustavo Santo Aloya, I mean, he hasn't done a whole lot. He's, we could have featured him, and I even thought about it, I think, for the Masters of Hollywood episode. Because he does have some film releases throughout his uh, uh, discography or career, such as Brokeback Mountain in 2005. He did do the entire original soundtrack for that. Um, I think that might be, yeah, that might actually be his like biggest theatrical release outside mm -hmm. of The Last of Us on HBO, right? Of course. But, and that's not a theatrical release anyway. But uh, right. yeah, probably Brokeback Mountain, which is crazy. But uh, I adore his style, man. It's so subdued. And it's, he's from Argentina, we should mention, because you did want a composer that was not, for, not from the US, Japan, or Europe. So he fits the bill there. And we listened to the choice from the original Last of Us, which again, I was shocked that we haven't played from because I feel like I've played this melody before, but then you're like, well, you know, he does use a lot of leitmotif in his compositions, which yeah. is true. Yeah. I feel like this is part of several other tracks on this soundtrack, but it's only a minute and 40 seconds, minute and 42 to be exact. In that a minute and 42, it's so emotional. And that's what he does so well. He pours so much emotion into everything that he composes. Well, I mean, 
I, you, I guess you could really say this about any instrument, but there's a reason, I think, that the piano and the guitar are maybe the, like, like the two most popularly featured instruments because there is something about them and the way that you can can evoke such like complex emotions out of a relatively simple setup and i mean the uh, piano has 88 keys so it's not really simple i guess but uh you know th th there's something about the sound of those instruments that i think resonates with us and what he does with the acoustic guitar on the last of us soundtrack is uh but the game and and the show is just phenomenal uh what did lingua have to say about this track the choice is a pivotal track from the soundtrack of The Last of Us, an action-adventure game developed by Naughty Dog, composed by Gustavo Santolaya, an acclaimed Argentine musician and composer. This track plays a significant role in the game's narrative and emotional impact. The choice is often associated with a critical moment in the game's story where the main characters face a moral dilemma that challenges their values and decisions. The track's composition features Santolaya's signature style characterized by its minimalist and acoustic approach. The use of acoustic guitar and subtle evocative melodies creates a contemplative atmosphere conveying a sense of introspection and emotional weight. The track's gentle yet melancholic tones resonate with players, enhancing the emotional depth of the game's narrative. The music effectively captures the essence of the characters' internal struggles and their journey of discovery, both about themselves and the world around them. It's a testament to how video game music can enhance storytelling and create memorable moments that players will remember long after they finish playing. Honestly, man, that, yeah. that nails it. It does. It does. There's, I, I can't think of anything else to say. <laughs> I think I distinctly remember this track playing in the winter section of The Last of Us, which is probably one of the most memorable spots or sections of that game. Well, I know in the show, isn't that when they stumble on the cult? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Man, that the was a great comment. show top comment on youtube for this video we listened to the last of us ruined video games for me in the best way possible i can't play a game without <laughs> saying it's still not as good as the last of us <laughs> well and i wonder how many people out there would say that about these three games like all three of these games were so iconic and pivotal and changed the face of gaming and, I mean, in a smaller way, I feel like people would also say that about Hollow Knight. Uh, it, it is one of the one of the indie games that is a touchstone of that sort of subgenre of gaming. Um, it's, it's almost like the other side of the coin of Shovel Knight, uh, that those oh, two yeah. are kind of what, what indie games strive for. Because I feel like, did, did Ori come out before Hollow Knight or after? Ori came out before. Ori in the Blind Forest was 2015, right? Ori in the Blind Forest was 2015. Yes, so it was before Hollow Knight, which was 2017. And Hollow Knight right? was 26. Well, you said the the sequel was announced in 2017. Sequel was announced in 2019. February 2019. 14th, okay, 2019. okay, 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 okay. Uh, okay. Hollow Knight did release in 2017. Yes. Well, because I feel like Ori and Hollow Knight have a lot of uh, just thematic sensibility in common. Oh yeah. Um, and Gareth Coker, I feel like, is very similar to Austin Winery in that regard. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Gareth Coker would, would uh, pretty much anything by, by Coker would fit uh, with, with these first four tracks. So I'll be, I'll be curious to see if he comes up on the show. I but, can force uh, it! Well, <laughs> let's see. Let's see what, um, 
what Lingua gives you in response to your prompts for this next block. Okay. You ready to move into our second block then? I am ready. All right. Let's go with Lingua. Can you suggest an obscure piece of video game music? What's a word that I like to use a lot? You have so many that evokes a feeling of going... Emotion of sadness? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Go, go with what you were saying. That evokes a feeling of going on <laughs> an acid trip. Starting the second block of music, let's take a listen to The Milkman Conspiracy from Psychonauts, released April 19th, 2005, composed by Peter McCall. <laughs> suggest a video game music track that has an eclectic feel that released in the year 2004. Ooh, putting a fine point on it. Next up, let's listen to the main theme of Guild Wars, released April 28th, 2005, composed by Jeremy Soule.
Okay. Can you suggest what? What do I want to go with now? Can you suggest a video game music track that elicits your I'm, I'm going with it. Emotions of sadness. I'm going to go with it. <laughs> I have to. Closing out the second block, let's listen to Emil. Sacrifice from Near Replicant. Released April 27th, 2010. Composed by Keiji Okabe featuring Emmy Evans on vocals. Coming back in, we are first 
listening and talking about the Milkman Conspiracy from Psychonauts, again released on April 19th, 2005, and composed by Peter McConnell. The original Psychonauts, not the one that uh, was released... I want to say two, two years ago, three years ago, something like that. Came out on the, uh, the Xbox Psychonauts 2, came out in 2021. Okay, so two years ago. Actually, almost two years ago to the date, August 25th, 2021. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I never did finish that one, by the way. These games. And uh, Peter McConnell, of course, is a classic American composer. Just really great stuff. All the way back in the LucasArts days. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, he is synonymous with the LucasArts formula and just... The soundtracks to those games were so incredible, and a lot of that having to do with him, of course. Yeah, this just fits right in with, like, the Monkey Island motif, and uh, really cool, dark, creepy, but cartoony? Very cartoony, very cartoony, yeah, Yeah. very cartoony. Actually kind of reminds me of that epic Mickey track that we played on the Masters of Hollywood episode. You're not wrong, you're not wrong, it actually does quite a bit. And the suggestion for Lingua to pull this track was, you know, a track that kind of had the vibes of going on an acid trip. And it gave us a suggestion before this one from Umlammer Jammy that we just could not find. I'm very curious to know if that track actually exists. Pink Jelly. We couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, and, And Lingua even said after doing further research, they couldn't find the Pink Jelly track either for us to play. So I don't know where that yeah. suggestion came from. That's just kind of interesting. A couple of times yeah. where it suggested something that didn't seem to exist. And, exist. and I made I made a, a half joke. I wonder if it pulled it from an alternate dimension. <laughs> yeah, because there, there was, I think, then the middle track. They wanted us to badly play something from Katamari Damasi, which the two things that it suggested we just could not find. But... Um, I could see the why sounds like it would be in, in a Moonjammer Lammy. So I don't it, know. Yeah, Great yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But I could see why Lingua would attribute this particular track to an acid trip. So let's see what Lingua has to say here. The Milkman Conspiracy is a memorable and quirky track from the video game Psychonauts, composed by Peter McConnell. Psychonauts is known for its unique and imaginative world where players explore the minds of various characters, delving into their dreams, fears, and subconscious thoughts. The Milkman Conspiracy is the theme for the level that takes place within the mind of Boyd Hooper, a paranoid character who believes he's a secret agent investigating a conspiracy involving mailmen, secret agents, and milk deliveries. The track captures the essence of the level's absurdity and paranoia blending whimsical and zany musical elements with an underlying sense of unease. It features offbeat instrumentation, including whimsical plucked strings, jazzy brass, and eerie synths. The composition shifts between lighthearted melodies and dissonant passages, reflecting the chaotic nature of Boyd's mind and the bizarre events that unfold in the level. Overall, the Milkman Conspiracy stands out as a prime example of how video game music can effectively enhance the atmosphere and storytelling within a game. Its eclectic blend of musical styles and its ability to evoke both whimsy and unease make it a fitting choice for a surreal and psychedelic experience. I love this so much, dude. I love this so much, just the way that Lingua is kind of... What's the word I want to use? I don't know the word I want to use, but it's... it's, I don't know, my, but it's on the tip of my tongue. 
for me it feels like it's just it's really almost reading our minds it's 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 taking yeah. the the precise like feeling that i have about a track and putting it into words it accurately is painting a picture of why it picks the tracks as well it's not the word i want to use but it's the gist of what i wanted to say um it, it's it's incredible this is this is so cool this is exactly what i wanted to happen here this is phenomenal but this i mean linguist dude it's so uneasy this track is mm-hmm. so trippy and there's a moment about where does it start about a minute 10 seconds in when the theremin kicks in heavily mm, dude yeah. it's so eerie well, the instrumentation and the minors and just the way that McConnell, like, plays with tension uh, in this track. I mean, the, the theremin is, like, the instrument for tension. Oh, of course. Just because the way the sound is made and, and the way it, you know, it just it sounds like a haunted instrument. But it, it just, it, I, I want to play more of this game because it, it sounds, from everything I've heard, like something I, I could get into. That's just the right level of creepy without being, you know, too much and, and I, I'd be out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is really good, man. And I also I really like that this block is um, a lot more of, of a mix than than the other music we've heard so far. It fits still. It's got that sort of somber, melancholic note that uh, Lingua mentioned before. And but but these three tracks are still very unique from one another. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I and I did kind of go out there with my three suggestions, right? I didn't kind of put them similar feels or anything like that. But uh, yeah, no, this was a super cool, and it's actually really cool to see. This is what Lingua suggested for that suggestion. Uh, I probably wouldn't have thought of this for something like a psychedelic acid trip, but it it fits and it totally works. It totally works. The middle track we listened to, I asked Lingua to suggest a piece that had an eclectic feel that was released in 2004. And this is where it started kind of giving us the suggestions about Katamari Damacy, which we couldn't find. And eventually it landed on the main theme from Guild Wars, which from everything we can see came out in 2005, April 28th, 2005. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think this actually released in 2004, but that's okay. We're going to run with it. Obviously composed by Jeremy Soule. Guild Wars, the original, is not a game that I have a ton of experience with. I played Guild Wars 2 heavily when that came out, though. Remind me, are, are these uh, are these MOBAs? These are MMORPGs. These are not MOBAs. MMOs, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. In the vein okay. of World of Warcraft. And, and okay. Guild Wars okay. came okay. out okay. the year after WoW, kind of capitalizing on a lot of the success WoW had when it first came out. Yeah. This definitely sounds like it would, it would fit into a WoW <laughs> soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. Also want to mention this game was apparently retroactively named Guild, War, Guild Wars Prophecies uh, to differentiate it from later Yeah, Guild that Wars threw us games. off a little bit but when we were trying to find the track. Did. Yeah, yeah. But, but this main theme, I mean, it's short. Uh, your first two tracks were both, were both pretty short, but um, in that short amount of time, it, it does a lot. And uh, kind of like the Last of Us track that you brought, it's uh, all three of those shorter tracks were still... Uh, this one doesn't go, haha, go as many places, <laughs> but... <laughs> That's got to be your next um, suggestion for Lingua. But 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 it works really well for uh, for you know an opening to a game. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And Lingua, do you have anything to say before we discuss further the main theme of Guild Wars? The Guild Wars theme, composed by Jeremy Soule for the game Guild Wars, is a captivating and grandiose piece of music that encapsulates the spirit of adventure, fantasy, and exploration. Jeremy Soule, known for his exceptional work in the realm of video game music created a composition that perfectly sets the tone for the immersive world of Tyrion. The track opens with a powerful orchestral arrangement featuring majestic brass 
fanfares and soaring strings. These elements immediately evoke a sense of grandeur and heroism, making players feel like they are embarking on an epic journey. As the piece progresses, the music becomes more dynamic, incorporating rhythmic patterns that add a sense of urgency and excitement. What makes the Guild Wars theme particularly notable is its ability to blend different musical elements seamlessly. The composition combines the strength of orchestral instrumentation with a haunting and enchanting choir. The choral voices add a layer of mystique and magic to the music, as if hinting at the hidden secrets and ancient lore of the game's world. Overall, the Guild Wars theme is a standout piece that captures the imagination and transports listeners to a realm of high fantasy. Its eclectic fusion of orchestral, choral, and adventurous elements showcases Jeremy Soule's mastery of creating music that not only enhances the gaming experience, but also stands on its own as a remarkable composition. Masters of EGM. Was he on there? Should have been. He probably I been. feel like he might have been on on your first one, maybe? Not on mine. Um, Wasn't in mine. Okay. But I'm there's assuming another, somebody There's a WoW composer him. who... Who you brought, I think. Oh, Neil, Neil Acree? Nope, I didn't bring him either. Okay, huh. But okay, Neil, well. Neil Acree, I think is, for me, Neil Acree is, is more masterful than Jeremy Soule. But uh, I think I feel like several shows featured him in the first round of the Masters of EGM last year. But I could I be do wrong. remember his name coming up. And uh, I mean, he's, he's definitely got chops, for sure, though. So. For sure. I feel like maybe his um, uh, oeuvre, is that how you pronounce that word? It's a $5 word. Um, I feel like it doesn't have as much um, diversity as a lot Wasn't of uh, his contemporaries. Controversy around Jeremy Soule as well? Uh, was it him? Look it up. Thanks. I'm not, I don't remember. I think so. Yeah, he was the one that was accused of sexual harassment by one uh, vocalist on oh, the soundtrack. Oh, man. Yep, that was him. And I think that, that kind of soured a lot of people's opinions of him back in the day. Okay, okay, yeah. But we don't get into any of that here on the show. But I, I thought that yep. was him. The music stands on its own. Uh, and but yeah, I don't really have a whole lot more to say about this track anyway. But your next track, though, man. <laughs> man, oh man, does Lingua know me at this point, I think. Uh, so I wanted something from it that elicits emotions of sadness, right? One of our most popular topics we've done here on BG Mania in the past. We've done two rounds so far. A third round will be incoming at some point in the future, but probably far away. Uh, it tried to give me two Xanarkin from Final Fantasy X, which I would have loved to play again, but we've already played it. So we had the suggestion of Emil Sacrifice from Near Replicant, which came out initially back in 2010 on the PS3 and Xbox 360. It was re-released as Near Replicant version 1.22474487139 in 2021 on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. I love how out there and crazy this series gets, but man, <laughs> oh man, do I love the soundtrack to these games. And I was telling you as we were listening to it, right? One of my favorite experiences that I've gotten to do since doing BG Mania, Level Down Games, RPG Era, whatever you want to know me as, um, was going to that near orchestra concert that Square Enix put on in Chicago. And seeing Emmy Evans live doing vocals, seeing Arnie Roth composing this, the orchestra for these actual songs. Can't remember if this is one that they played there, but they played 
so many tracks from the original Nier and Nier Automata. I, I still get emotional thinking back to that night and just how magical that concert actually was and just how powerful this music really is. Um, as soon as this kicked in, I had forgotten that Emil Sacrifice was a vocal track, but as soon as it kicked in, man, immediately Emmy Evans has a way to always give me goosebumps. Doesn't matter what she's singing. I never know what she's saying because it's a made up language, but she always gives me goosebumps, dude. She is a goddess. I love her voice and it it's perfect for the near soundtrack. Uh, it's so emotional and evocative and it just- With All these big ass she... words on the show today. <laughs> Well, I gotta gotta compete with Lingua. You gotta compete so, with Lingua, who's showing um, you up, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is just beautiful, and humans can never beat AI. Uh, that's yeah. That we'll we'll see. But <laughs> it's yeah, you're right. But man, this uh, I don't know that AI could write a track like this though. I'd really be curious don't. to see At least if it not could, yet. because I have a feeling it probably could. Eventually. I don't know if it can right now. Yeah. As it progresses and evolves, guaranteed it could put out something this masterful. Like, this is incredible. I mean, every, everything is math when you break it down, so. Of but, course. But, but, man, yeah, this is just, the, the, the math in this track has, you know, comes out to an equation that really knows how to tug on the human heartstrings. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> Let's see what Lingua has to say about this. She's showing us up, man. She is. She is. Um, She's taking over. Yeah, That's is... why it's the AI takeover. We're not going to be needed anymore. Well, I will say, though, uh, <laughs> we, um, we're we only halfway through. I, I would not say that the soundtrack so far is better than last week's randomized soundtrack. Uh, it's very good. And the commentary, of course, is, uh, you know, is top notch. But oh, do, you hear, do you hear that, Lingua? You hear that? You have anything to say about that? <laughs> listeners 
a new experience and perspective. They might resonate differently with your audience, depending on their individual preferences and interests. If Bedrock feels that the current episode isn't as strong as the previous one, it might be worth exploring the reasons behind that perception. Is there a specific aspect that your co-host feels could be improved, such as the choice of tracks, the flow of the conversation, or the overall theme? Constructive feedback can provide valuable insights into areas that could be enhanced to create a more impactful episode. At the same time, remember that every episode has its own unique charm and can connect with listeners in different ways. If you're both passionate about the content you are producing and put in the effort to create an engaging and enjoyable experience for your audience, that passion will likely shine through and contribute to the overall quality of your podcast. Ultimately, focusing on continuous improvement, refining your podcasting skills, and remaining open to feedback can lead to the growth and development of your show over time. Well, I, I have been put in my place, but I, I will say to that point, that is, uh, th- that is, that is true. Um, I, I, maybe I'm not feeling quite as engaged with this episode because even though it is fun, the, the tracks are still being curated. Like they're still being selected by an intelligence. It's sure. just not, not a, it's not us, uh, you know, a biological intelligence. Yeah, it's not us. Last week was completely random and still fantastic. And that was so exciting and fun to me that I guess maybe I did feel a little more passionately about it. So challenge, it. Point, challenge Lingua, lingua. challenge it fear with point. your suggestions for the next block. Okay. Well, I had a couple of things pop into my head, so we'll see. We'll see where I go, but are you ready to jump into my next block? Let's do it. I'm having fun. Okay. All right. Lingua, I would like to hear an upbeat track, an upbeat music track from a game that released before the year 1992. Starting the third block of music, let's listen to introduction from Doom 2. The Building of a Dynasty, released in December 1992, composed by Frank Klippach. Bye. Uh-huh. 
Okay, Lingua, give me a video game music track that is happy and groovy and silly. Next up, let's listen to Windy Hill, Zone 1, from Sonic Lost World, released October 29th, 2013, composed by Tomoya Otani. <laughs>
Okay, for my final track in this block, I would like to hear a video game music track that features both a male vocalist and a female vocalist. Closing out the third block, let's listen to Wir Fliegen from Xenoblade Chronicles X, released December 4th, 2015, composed by Hiyuki Sawano, featuring Mika Kobayashi on vocals.
Okay, coming back in, we are first talking about the uh, introduction track from Dune 2, a PC game for the MS-DOS. And the uh, full, ti- full title of that game is Dune 2, The Building of a Dynasty. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that uh, this is thing- something that we would have picked without the help of Lingua. I, I tend to avoid MS-DOS games because, I mean, the, the this actually is sick. I, I'm not going to lie. This track is actually sick. But a lot of MS-DOS releases don't have the best of soundtracks, right? Right. And a lot of it, I mean, it's early MIDI stuff, so it's not super, you know, not super complex. But it, um, yeah, like you said, it, it can be kind of hit and miss. But this one ended up uh, being really good. And at first, again, it wasn't really what I would have called upbeat. But uh, I guess this would be my track of the episode that does go a lot of places. <laughs> True. And I think once we got to the like the minute and 40 second mark somewhere in that area, it did pick up a little bit. It felt more upbeat, especially towards the end. But this one was very experimental, I feel like, for the first like half of the track. Yep. Which is actually kind of cool. Actually kind of cool. We struggled with this block, by the way. We confused the hell out of Lingua. Sorry, Lingua. I I did it. (laughs) I'm smarter than the machine, even if it is better spoken than I am. (laughs) Yeah, we we confused the hell out of Lingua here on this one. Or at least I'm I'm more confusing and chaotic than the machine. (laughs) But I uh, never played this game. Don't know a whole lot about it. No, me neither. It's apparently... The first, uh, like the first real-time strategy game, I've heard it talked about. I want to say maybe on Pixelated Audio, one of those more technical podcasts. But this was definitely way before I was ever exposed to the world of Dune. So, uh, yeah, my only exposure to Dune comes from the recent movie um, that I haven't even seen. I've just seen bits of it. But I do know there is a game that I'm very intrigued by coming out sometime soon. Uh, it's not this year; might be next year. Called Dune awakening which is an open world survival mmo it was announced like within the last year or so it looks really sick yeah and i um i did watch the movies uh based on dune that came out in the 90s um there was one that starred casper van dean from starship troopers and uh, oh okay i've never seen any of those that one is pretty good. Um, in fact, Lord Harkonnen, the big bad in that one, is played by I don't know his name, the actor's name, but he's the the Englishman who accompanies Ace Ventura in Ace Ventura when Nature Calls. It's the same oh, guy. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, uh, and yeah, that was uh, apparently, according to the critics, the other movie that I don't remember anybody who's in that one is the better adaptation. But I saw the Casper Van Dien one first, and it's got kind of a campy uh, soft spot in my heart. So haven't ever been able to finish the book. Uh, it is really dense, um, and it's not my style in the way that like Lord of the Rings is, but I would say probably comparable to the Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, this was cool, and I am interested to hear what Lingua has to say about it. So Lingua thinks this, so the actual name of this track that we can see is called Introduction, but Lingua believes this is the main theme. So as it discusses it, it is considering it the main theme. And we did find a title track that was only nine seconds. That is like the first nine seconds of this track. So both Bedroth and I do feel like this is the track Lingua is talking about. So let's see what they have to say. Lingua, take it away. Introduction from Dune 2, The Building of a Dynasty, serves as a fitting prelude to the game's grand science fiction narrative. Composed by Frank Klopaki, 
This track sets the tone for the player's journey into the Dune universe, which is characterized by its desert landscapes, political intrigue, and epic conflicts. The music's blend of electronic and orchestral elements creates an atmosphere of anticipation and grandeur, immersing players in the epic scale of the game's universe. As you listen to Introduction, you can almost feel the winds of Arrakis and the weight of its destiny-laden sands. The main theme from Dune 2, Building of a Dynasty, is a captivating piece that encapsulates the essence of the game's futuristic and strategic gameplay. Composed by Frank Klopaki, the track immediately draws players into the world of Arrakis, where they will navigate the complexities of politics, warfare, and resource management. The main theme's pulsating rhythm and synthesized melodies evoke a sense of urgency and anticipation, reflecting the strategic decisions players must make as they vie for control over the desert planet's valuable spice melange. The music's dynamic shifts mirror the ebb and flow of battles and alliances, and its futuristic tones resonate with the technological advancements of the Dune universe. As you listen to the main theme, you can almost feel the weight of leadership on your shoulders and the thrill of embarking on a journey to conquer the unforgiving sands of Arrakis. It's a musical embodiment of the strategic challenges and triumphs that await players in the game. All right. There you go. <laughs> By all accounts, this is not a very good game, but since it was like the earliest of its type, I guess, you know, sometimes, sometimes that's how it is. It's kind yeah. of a test case or something. Yeah. And uh, you and I were actually, as we were confusing Lingua, we were asking it where it's pulling this information from because there was a track that it was suggesting that you and I just could not find, though it was convinced that it existed. And it says it doesn't have access to external websites in terms of pulling information, which I find kind of interesting. So because you and I were speculating like previously, right, like a lot of the descriptions Lingua is giving us sound like actual critiques written by somebody. But I have no idea where it's getting this information from. No I idea. Know. I don't know. And like I'm kind of like blown we away. Asked for, I asked it for kind of a, a happy, groovy, silly track and it came up with uh, something like uh, a happy day in the village from yeah ha a happy day in the village from secret of mana which we couldn't find but we did find the actual town theme which we've played before yeah um, it's called uh, uh something oh, summer yeah into the summer sky something yeah. like that i'm gonna look up the actual name um i love the titles of the secret of mana soundtrack it's really it's fun stuff um but yeah secret of mana uh Secret of uh, the color of the summer sky. That's it. And I feel like we may have played that on our summer episode way back in the day with Frank. That would make sense for sure, for sure. Uh, but instead, uh, since we have already played that one, we asked for something that sounds like it and got a track that we have not played before. Uh, fairly well known among modern Sonic. I think it's it's the only track that I can remember the name of from uh, Sonic Lost World because it was featured in Super Smash Bros. Windy Hill Zone 1. And uh, what did you think of this track? Ben? I mean, this this sounds like a modern evolution of the Sonic formula. Sonic Lost World is not a game that I played, though we have previously played a track, at least one that I know of for sure from this game because I brought it, The Legend of Zelda Zone from this game. I think I brought that. Maybe you brought it. I don't know. One of us brought it. But uh, it was on our... It wasn't on the Zelda-like episode, was it? But it was in that period where we were focusing 
on was it Zelda inspired? Maybe did we do an episode like that back in the back in May when Tears of the Kingdom was getting ready to yes. release? Yeah, uh, yeah, Zelda like games. We played like Crusader of Sinti and Crystalis and stuff like that. Maybe this was in that episode um, because it does have like a Legend of Zelda zone. I can't remember, but I know we definitely played something um, this oh, year from this game. Yeah, uh, I think you might have pulled... Did you pull it in Hyrule Fields Forever? Maybe? No, because that would have just been Hyrule Field music. Yeah, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it might have been in that, uh, from that. Yeah, it was somewhere in that month. I know it was in one of those episodes, but uh, I mean, it feels like classic Sonic music just evolved. Um, I don't think it's as strong as some of the older Sonic music, but it's still really good. Mm-hmm. It is, and you're right. I... I it's more Sonic-like than I think any of the other 3D Sonic... It's more 2D Sonic-like than any of the other 3D Sonic game soundtracks. Correct. And uh, it's it's really kind of a return to... Sort of a return to form, but, I mean, Lost World didn't get the same, uh, the same scores as, like, Sonic Colors and Sonic Generations. But it's definitely not as bad as some of the some of the clunkers that the 3D Sonic World had. Yeah, um, Sonic 06. I will say that. Yeah, oh god, the 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 one we shall not speak of. Um, <laughs> but at least Sonic doesn't doesn't make out with any humans in this game. But it is uh, everything about it, from the gameplay to the soundtrack to even like some of the visuals, really feels like uh, Diet Mario Galaxy. Yeah, so. yeah, you were saying that this game was trying really hard to be Galaxy. Mm-hmm. It really wanted to be. It wanted to be that for Sonic, but it didn't. I don't think it quite pulled it off. But still, this track is uh, is really nice, and I am interested to hear what Lingua has to say about it. It's definitely been wanting to play Sonic the Hedgehog like all night. It's so. been trying to suggest Green Hill Zone every time we say something. It's like, oh, how about Green Hill Zone? Because I really like that track. <laughs> Once again, very well said. That's exactly how I would put it. It likes to describe how the tracks it's picking enhance the gaming experience because it seems to say yeah, that in every I've description. Noticed. Yeah. 
That's kind of its, Which is uh, its cool. version of going places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lingua, when, when Lingua comes back in the future, if, uh, if they do, again, let us know if you guys are enjoying this type of content. But if Lingua makes another appearance in the future, uh, that'll be its that'll be its thing. Yep, that'll be its that'll on be its, its bingo thing. card. <laughs> Absolutely, and um, I gave it some trouble with my my third selection as well. You did. I originally you asked really for, tripped this up. <laughs> However, track the, with, the track that it initially suggested would have worked. We just you weren't in that mood. Yeah, so really it was my fault. Uh, I asked for a track with both male and female vocals, and it suggested the main theme from Persona Five. Which you actually have not played, even though you yeah, have played wake, quite wake a bit. Wake up, get soundtrack. up, get out there. Yeah, that's what it actually wake suggested, up, get up, get which would have worked. Which, yeah, and I have heard it before. It's a good track. I am, in the end, glad I didn't go with it because I got one that, that I like even better. Uh, but we went through um, a few other tracks that you have played before, and I went through a couple different iterations of the, the prompt, like a track with English lyrics and male and female vocals. And then we kind of just went from there until I got something that I liked. And. We ended up with a uh, track. I didn't hear any male vocals, uh, but no. there were some like background vocals along with the lead female voice. So I don't know. But from Xenoblade Chronicles X, the official name of the track is Wir Fliegen, which is German for We Fly. What was the name that um, Lingua tried to give it? Wings of Freedom. Wings of Freedom, which also a track by Hiroyuki Sawano, but it's from a game uh, based on Attack on Titan. And uh, it features that one features vocalists that you said, looking at Wikipedia, are also listed on this soundtrack? Yeah, seems to be the case. So, that, so some I wi- wires may have been crossed, maybe? I don't know. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, but do we have any words from, uh, from Lingua about this track we do we talk about it we do we do Dan Fliegen is a powerful and memorable vocal track from the game Xenoblade Chronicles X composed by Hiroyuki Sawano this track serves as the battle theme for intense encounters contributing to the game's epic and dynamic atmosphere the combination of orchestral elements electronic beats and powerful vocals creates a sense of urgency and determination which perfectly suits the high-stakes battles in the game. The track's title, Vivian, translates to We Fly in English, further emphasizing the themes of soaring and triumphing against challenges. Overall, Vivian is a standout piece that complements the gameplay experience in Xenoblade Chronicles X and adds to the emotional resonance of the game's narrative. Vivian is a standout track that encapsulates the essence of epic battles and soaring ambition. The combination of the energetic orchestration, electronic elements, and powerful vocals creates a sense of unity and determination among the game's characters as they face formidable challenges. The track's dynamic shifts and intense rhythm mirror the ebb and flow of battles, further immersing players in the game's world. The emotional charge of the song, along with its memorable melody, makes it a fan favorite among players and a highlight of the Xenoblade Chronicles X soundtrack. Whether it's accompanying players during intense battles or lingering in their memories after the game, Vivian is a testament to the impact that a well-crafted piece of video game music can have on the overall gaming experience. 
Uh, so yeah, uh, there there we go again. Uh, the impact on the gaming experience, <laughs> but 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 the way that it describes why it does is absolutely on point. Absolutely. Um, this this game, uh, it's the first Xenoblade game that I played. Uh, I got it right before Breath of the Wild came out. Well, a few months before because. I was just fiending for some Zelda action, and I knew I wasn't going to get to play it for a while. So I wanted to get a big open-world game, and I happened across this one. And, man, it did not disappoint. It's oh, very this is different a fantastic from the other Blade. Oh, yeah, so different. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a lot more sci-fi-based. It does away with the Blade uh, motif that Xenoblade has, but... It actually features giant mechs that you so can cool. use to fly around. So cool. <laughs> when you actually unlock those in the game and can start using them to explore and, you know, vertically climb the world and get up on areas that you couldn't access before, it, it's so immersive and so really just, it's phenomenal. And it blows my mind that this is the only title Nintendo has refused to port from the Wii U to the Switch. Yeah, it's... I don't, I don't understand because especially like I feel like you could use it to capitalize on Xenoblade Fever with all the other, any of the other Xenoblade releases they've done on the Switch. Yeah. And they just have not done it. And I mean, it's very different. It's the black sheep of the franchise and uh, some, I guess I haven't really heard anybody say they just don't like it, but I haven't I mean, it's universally enjoyed by most people that have played it. It's a great what's the, game. Uh, what's the Metacritic score on this one? Uh, Let's take a look. I'd be interested to hear, but yeah, this is just a... Another thing I really like about this one is, if I remember correctly, unlike the unlike Xenoblade Chronicles, the world in this game is just eighty four. Like you can eighty four, not eighty four. Okay, so that's a, that's a good score, and uh, it just, uh, it, but it's a it's a single open world game. Like you, it doesn't load when you go into another area. You can right. just go. It's from all place connected. Place yeah. Seamlessly. yeah, which I that that blew my mind. This was actually I think the first game of that type that I had played because I'm a Nintendo guy. I didn't have a you know, a PlayStation or Xbox before my buddy loaned me a PS4 a couple, or for, gave me a PS4 a couple years ago. So, um, but yeah, great game, really underrated soundtrack. I definitely encourage people to uh, go seek this out. I actually featured Monox, which is the main theme, the title theme of this uh, game, in my very first episode of Very Good Music. Oh, wow. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. I think, dude, if Nintendo, because, you know, the Switch is winding down, right? We know now... At least all reports are stating the successor to the Switch is releasing fall of 2024. So we're about a year away, little over a year away from the Switch to Super Nintendo Switch, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is the perfect game to put out to where you don't have to do anything and still have a, a release on the Switch that's not like a marquee title that would take away from the launch window of whatever comes next. Yeah. It would be crazy if they don't do it. It's, it's crazy to me that they haven't done it yet, but they're almost out of time. Like they need to do it now or never. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Man, I remember, uh, was it last year when Damon X Machina released? Damon X Machina was sometime recently, yeah. Uh, uh, because I, I remember twenty twenty trailer. 2020. Oh. 2019 oh, wow. on the Switch, actually. 2020 on PC. Really? Yep. Okay. Um, I remember when I saw the trailer for that before the name dropped. I was like, "Is this is this like Xenoblade Chronicles X 2 Because it, <laughs> it reminded me some with the giant mechs and everything. It reminded me a lot of it. But, it's very similar. Yeah. yeah, totally very similar. Now I will say, Damon X Machina. I don't think was nearly as good or well enjoyed as Xenoblade yeah, I, Chronicles. Yeah, I played the X. demo and yeah, yeah, it wasn't giving me. I played the demo as well and it, it didn't it didn't hook me. I did not even play the main game. So yeah, same thing. But, All right, man. Uh, we got a block to, to go. go ahead and 
yeah, do your second block. This is another long episode, like like last week. But. Yeah, but granted, uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of it gets cut because a lot of it is downtime. Um, for sure. Our our raw recording for the episode three hundred was over three hours, and after I condensed it and got rid of all the silence and, and it chopped it up it was like an hour and 40 something so this will okay. probably okay. be yeah, the yeah. same now granted i do think both of these episodes will go over two hours but that's mm-hmm. totally fine totally fine um what do We're i want to go something with new. yeah we are doing something new and what do i want to go with little peek behind the curtain i uh for some reason got sick during the recording of this episode and had to step away for like 10 minutes to go visit the porcelain throne to uh expunge some things out of my stomach um so do i want to Go with a feeling of that. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> something gross, something nausea inducing. S- suggest a video game. A bathroom music track. Track. <laughs> <laughs> Can you suggest a video game music track that elicits a nauseating feeling? Starting the final block of music, let's listen to Cedar Grove Sanitarium from Silent Hill Origins. Released November 6, 2007, composed by Akira Yamaoka. Can you suggest a video game music track that has hmm, sweet, sexy sax? <laughs> yes, that has some sweet, sexy saxophone in it. Next up, let's listen to Smooth Criminal from Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, released July 24th, 1990, composed by Toru Nakabayashi.
All right, my last track that you have the closeout. Can you suggest a video game music track that elicits a cosmic feel? Nope, cosmic vibe. Let's go back to Across the Universe. Closing out the final block, let's listen to Virtual Space Manipulator Star Dream Phase 2 from Kirby, Planet Robobot, released June 10th, 2016, composed by Hirokazu Ando and Jun Ishikawa.
coming back in, we are first talking about Cedar Grove Sanitarium from Silent Hill Origins, which initially released on November 6, 2007. It was composed, of course, by Akira Yamaoka, which always love when I get to feature him on the show. One of my uh, favorite was he was one of my masters last year, wasn't he? Almost positive he was. He was. He absolutely yes. was. Yeah, yeah was. I, I'm almost positive I would have brought him as one of my masters. I am in love with what he does, especially with the guitar, which we do hear in this particular track. A very eerie, unsettling track that I told Lingua to find something that had a a nauseating feel to it. And I can see where she thinks this would be nauseating. I mean, Silent Hill as a whole is very nauseating in certain areas. It's very unsettling, right? With some of the enemies and some of the scenes that you encounter throughout the game. Absolutely. So I think that might be where Lingua was going with that suggestion. Yep. Yeah, for sure. This was definitely uh, creepy and unsettling, and um, I think anytime, I mean, there is some kind of gross stuff in some of the Silent Hill games. Beyond that, a lot of gross you get stuff. Scared enough that <laughs> that also is gonna that also is gonna make you a little nauseous. But uh, what did Lingua have to say for uh, for itself on this track? Cedar Grove Sanitarium is a haunting and atmospheric track from the game Silent Hill Origins, composed by Akira Yamaoka. The Silent Hills series is known for its ability to create a sense of psychological horror, and this track is no exception. The music is characterized by its dissonant and unsettling tones, which contribute to the eerie ambiance of the game's environments. As you explore the dark and mysterious world of Silent Hill, Cedar Grove Sanitarium serves to heighten the player's sense of unease and anticipation. The track features a combination of ambient sounds, eerie synth textures, and sporadic percussive elements that together create an unsettling sonic landscape. It's a piece of music that effectively contributes to the game's overall atmosphere of psychological tension and horror, making it a memorable and impactful part of the Silent Hill Origins experience. All right. And I get it. Like I said, I totally get that. Uh, Silent Hill Origins is not one of my favorite Silent Hill games. It's okay. It's okay. This one event, uh, initially released on the PSP. I didn't play it until it came to the PS2 in 2008, the very next year. But Silent Hill Origins is not one that I have a lot of love for, right? Like, it's not the original. It's not two. It's not three. Um, those are probably my, obviously, my three favorites in the Silent Hill uh, franchise. I am very curious to see what they do with Silent Hill F, which is set to come out sometime in the near future. Um, the one that's set in 1960s rural Japan. I think that looks so sick. But obviously we are getting a remake of Silent Hill 2 that was rumored to be coming this year, but I don't think it's going to make it this year. Probably will be next year. That should be freaking dope. That's the one that's being remade by Bloober Team. The same studio that does um, Layers of Fear. And I think they're going to knock it out of the park. Oh, cool. That sounds really cool. But yeah, <laughs> this is super unsettling. Um, and man, Akira Yamaoka, man, he can do so much. Like, we've played him so often on the show with rock and guitars and just, you know, super atmospheric horror elements. And then this one is just very ambient horror with a little, with a little hint of that guitar mixed into the background. 
We've had a we've had quite a bit of ambiance on the show today. I think that uh, Lingua Ling- must Lingua be likes a little bit partial to yeah to that to that or Green Hill Zone or uh, Two Zanarkand. <laughs> Green Hill Zone and Two Zanarkand. <laughs> just know, just know, guys. We didn't play them on the show since we played the tracks before. But Lingua, those are her two favorite video game tracks. <laughs> Green Hill Zone and yeah. Two Zanarkand. We, we did curate a little bit. There were also a couple of times when uh, she suggested tracks that uh, from series that we had already featured, or sometimes even games we'd already featured yes on this particular episode yes on this particular episode yeah we really wanted some a little bit more diversity than that so yeah a little bit of a spread and uh we got especially in your blocks i really feel like we got that diversity this this block was another one where every track is very different oh yeah oh yeah and i think that can be seen in our middle track i uh wanted (laughs) something with a saxophone we tried sweet sexy sax and kind of confused it a little bit but we just went with generic saxophone and ended up with a track that uh from a game that i'm familiar with i have played this game in the past we listened to smooth criminal from michael jackson's moonwalker which released on the genesis back on july 24th 1990 was composed by toru nakabayashi at least arranged right i mean obviously this is a michael jackson track but it was arranged for the genesis by toru nakabayashi um, my friend, as I was growing up in school, so I went to high, I went to elementary, middle, and high school with her. Her name was Maggie. I went to her house for a pool party sometime in the like the late nineties. Maybe it was. It wouldn't have been middle night. It would have been late nineties. So that's crazy. I actually played this game like probably eight or nine years after it came out. Uh, and when I played it, I didn't even know it existed. Um, so I went to her house for a pool party and we got done like kind of being outside. A couple of us went into her bedroom and fired up the Genesis because she had a Genesis and not a Super Nintendo. And she had Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. And we took turns just passing the controller around, playing through the various stages. I think we even beat it. It's not a super long game. Um, and more or less is a beat-em-up, right? It is one of those classic Genesis beat-em-ups that were popular back in the day. And you play as Michael Jackson. <laughs> yep, I have seen footage of this game. I've never actually played it myself, but yeah, this one is a, this one is wild. <laughs> I love this song, too. Like, Smooth Criminal is oh, yeah. a phenomenal Michael a... Jackson song. And Absolutely. if you like covers, Alien Ant Farm did an incredible cover of this track. This was uh, this was a lot of fun, and um, I, I feel like you know, like like um, we talked about, Lingua said that she thought this the main instrument was a saxophone. It's really hard to tell with these FM sent sounds, but um, but yeah, what what did Lingua have to say about this track? Smooth Criminal is a chip tune rendition of the popular song originally performed by Michael Jackson. This version appears in the video game Moonwalker for the Sega Genesis Mega Drive. The game itself is based on the movie of the same name, which features Michael Jackson as the main character who must rescue children from the clutches of an evil gangster. The game's soundtrack includes various Michael Jackson songs, and Smooth Criminal is one of the standout tracks. The chiptune adaptation captures the essence of the original song while fitting within the limitations of the Sega Genesis hardware. The inclusion of the saxophone melody adds a distinctive jazzy and upbeat quality to the track, making it an enjoyable and memorable addition to the game's soundtrack. 
Smooth Criminal from Moonwalker is a great example of how video games can reimagine well-known songs in a way that pays homage to the original while incorporating the unique characteristics of the game medium. The saxophone's presence in the track adds a touch of sophistication and energy, contributing to the overall appeal of the game's music. Yeah, Lingua really feels like that's a saxophone, and who are we to argue with her? She probably knows. Yeah, I mean... It's a it's an electronic um, machine saxophone, and she is an electronic machine of sorts. So I guess she would know. <laughs> <laughs> you would think yeah, this was fun. Uh, I uh, you know well we we already know that Michael Jackson translates well to the Genesis from his uh, unmistakable influence on the Sonic Three soundtrack. Indeed, so. absolutely. And what better uh, what better thing for Michael Jackson to go out there and rescue than a bunch of kids? That's right. <laughs> oh God, that's. <laughs> Uh, I'm too tired to have picked up on that quickly enough. <laughs> so, so bad, dude. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Couldn't it have been anything else? <laughs> dogs. Why isn't he rescuing dogs? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or even hedgehogs, you know? Yeah. Green Hill Zone. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, but yeah, um, speaking of electronics and machines and, uh, and robots and such. Yeah. The your your last track uh, was from one of uh, one of again Chukapau's favorite games and favorite soundtracks. Wanted something with a cosmic vibe, and I feel like we definitely got that here. We listened to a track known by many names. Apparently, uh, could be called Star Dream Phase Two, which is what Lingua thinks it's called. Also, we and, saw uh, Virtual Star Space Dream Manipulator. is the final boss. Yes, yes, yeah, Star Dream the final so boss. So this is like the second phase. Yeah, Virtual Space Manipulator, and then also you found. Enter Meso without a leader. So who knows what the actual name of this track actually is? Uh, like I said, who knows? seems to be known by many different names. But this is actually a track that I have not heard before. Uh, Kirby Planet Robobot is a soundtrack that I am familiar with to an extent, but I've only heard a few tracks from it. I've never played this Kirby game. Um, but I am digging the vibe of this track, dude. Like, this is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> well... Uh, you really did like that across the universe I episode, did. so it's yeah. nice that we got uh, we got a little teaser or a little taste of of that. Absolutely. And uh, Lingua, what do you have to say about this particular track? Star Dream Phase Two is a mesmerizing and climactic piece of music from the game Kirby Planet Robobot, developed by HAL Laboratory and released for the Nintendo 3DS in 2016. Composed by Jun Ishikawa and Hirokazu Ado. This track serves as the background music for the final phase of the intense battle against a powerful enemy known as Star Dream. The track is characterized by its grand orchestration, ethereal melodies, and cosmic soundscapes. The use of orchestral instruments, electronic elements, and choir like vocal creates a sense of otherworldly grandeur evoking a cosmic atmosphere that suits the celestial nature of the battle. As players engage in this climactic confrontation, the music enhances the feeling of an epic struggle against a formidable foe. The track's dynamic shifts, dramatic crescendos, and intricate composition mirror the ebb and flow of the battle, adding to the intensity and excitement of the gameplay. Star Dream Phase 2 showcases the ability of video game music to transport players to another dimension 
and immerse them in a cosmic and fantastical experience. Its evocative sound captures the essence of the final showdown against a cosmic entity, making it a memorable piece of music in the Kirby series. It is a standout example of how game music can enhance the emotional impact of gameplay. I didn't hear any vocals. I also did not hear any vocals, but but I did hear a darn good song. And uh, I have also not I've not finished this game. I played a very little bit of it, but uh, Chukapau has probably played through this game three or four times. Uh, she really really likes it. Choir like vocals. I'm listening to it again. I'm trying to see what Lingua is thinking is choir-like vocals in this track. I can't pick it out. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There there are some vocals in some climactic Kirby tracks, but this is uh yeah, this is not not one that uh that I can I can place. So Ebb and Flow but is still, another still lingua, great track. another I, I, Lingua Bingo card edition. Ebb and Flow. It's it's appeared several times on the show today. Yep, Ebb and Flow, Ethereal, um, which you know, she stole from me. But <laughs> this is a... Uh, uh, I really like the intro to this track. Me too. It's really gnarly. Me too. It's fun yeah. stuff. Yeah, this is a really cool track. Like I said, it, it definitely elicits the vibe that I was kind of hoping we would get with this suggestion. Um, I guess, like, you know, there, there are elements in the background that almost sound like a choir, but they're not. But they right. almost sound yeah. like a choir. So I could maybe see where the confusion is coming from. To the untrained or inhuman ear. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what uh, wonder what Lingua's ears are like. That would be uh, an intense oh, conversation. Could always ask her. <laughs> oh man, the AI takeover. The AI takeover. It was uh, this was an interesting little dance we did tonight. I think some toes were stepped on a little bit, but. All in all, we had some tracks that we would not have discovered if we hadn't done this. Oh, and yeah. we also uh, got to listen to a few classics that somehow we have missed over the years. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. All, super, all super all, cool. Successful episode. Super cool. And I do feel like curation-wise, playlists, right? We tend to come up with better playlists, I will say. Mm-hmm. However, describing the tracks, I think Lingua nails it. Yeah. I mean, she, she repeated herself a little bit as time went on, but she... Uh, very much spot on with uh, how the how the the song fit in the game uh, and in the area where it was. And uh, I, you know, great vocabulary. Uh, I, if I were reading these things the way that she had, had written them, like if I just read one, I wouldn't I wouldn't have any clue. I would think it was a, a very well educated writer who uh, who had come up with that. So yeah. So hats off, hats off for sure. Super cool, super cool. Well. That being said, we're not done because we do have one track left. And Bedroth, before we came back in, you had a suggestion for Lingua. And what was that for our closeout? Well, I I just asked uh, Lingua for a good a good track to end the show. And then I asked for a good final track or a good last track because we, we kept getting things again that we had either already played from the series or from that game. Or we have played the song before on the show. Yeah, two seconds. We really, <laughs> yeah, two Scott got Suzanne again like twelve times. Um, but finally, we ended up with one of those tracks I was talking about that we would never have have you know stumbled across. I don't think. Yeah, I I believe this game was originally released in Japan only. Yes. Well, I don't know because I it did, well, I see co- Super it did Nintendo come out Box in North Oak. America two years later, okay. but it was exclusive to okay, Japan okay, for the okay, first okay. two years. It came out in 91 in Japan, 
March 93 here in North America. In Japan, it was called Super Inindo Dato Nobunaga. So it's based, I think, on the Nobunaga legend in Japan or uh, Nobunaga history, whichever. Uh, in English, it was rendered as Inindo Way of the Ninja. This was a Koei joint for the Super NES. I did specify that I wanted something from... Oh, and then I asked for a, a credits theme from... Or an ending theme from the Super from NES. From the Super Nintendo, that's yeah. How, yeah. That's how we eventually got around to this one. And this is a relatively obscure little RPG, which the SNES had no shortage of. Um, and we ended up... There are actually two ending tracks. And we ended up going with ending one after listening to both of them. Yes, Better, it's the better of the two, for sure. It is. It's really nice. It's good. I don't know how much I would have to say about it. I'm actually listening to it again right now. It well, reminds okay. me... Lingua has a lot to say of about something. it, apparently. It reminds me... I don't know I don't know what, though. I think maybe it reminds me a bit of... of maybe Ease? It does have a Nihon Falcom vibe. I was thinking the same thing. Okay. There is a Nihon Falcom vibe to this, yes. I was thinking the same thing while listening to it. 100%. Yes. Well, uh, what does Lingua have to say about this track? Ending one from Inindo, Way of the Ninja, serves as a compelling testament to the power of video game music in conveying complex emotions and narrative resolutions. This piece manages to encapsulate a range of feelings within its melodies, offering a fitting conclusion to the journey players have undertaken in the game. The track opens with a delicate arrangement of traditional Japanese instruments immediately transporting listeners to a world steeped in historical and cultural richness. The soft plucking of strings and the ethereal tones of wind instruments set the tone for an introspective experience. As the composition unfolds, it gradually builds an emotional intensity, mirroring the climax of the game's narrative. The heart of Ending One lies in its ability to evoke a sense of closure and reflection. The carefully crafted melodies weave a tapestry of memories and experiences, inviting players to contemplate the challenges they faced and the victories they've achieved. It's a track that speaks not only to the characters' journeys, but also to the players' own personal growth and investment in the game's world. As the final notes of Ending 1 gently fade away, a feeling of both satisfaction and wistfulness lingers. The music has succeeded in connecting players with the narrative's emotional core, leaving them with a lasting impression that extends beyond the screen. In the realm of video game music, few pieces can match the evocative power of Ending One from Inindo, Way of the Ninja, making it a perfect choice to conclude your episode and leave your listeners with a sense of fulfillment and contemplation. All right. Yeah, well, then I guess it's a good ending theme. Great ending <laughs> theme, according to Lingua. Yeah, I, I think it fits. I mean, just listening to it again, it is it is a nice a nice closeout and a little more a little more retro music, which I'm I am glad we got some of today. And uh, you know, th- this this was fun. This was fun. And I gotta say, Lingua's voice sounded a little bit familiar. On I don't, I don't know I don't know where I might have heard that from before, but uh, but she definitely sounded like somebody I've heard before. Well, we'll we'll give credit where credit is due on the episode. Shout out to uh, Kyle's wife Lindsay for <laughs> playing the voice of Lingua on the show. Yes, thank you, Lindsay. It was a pleasure to have your voice on the show, and Lingua, it was a pleasure to have your mind on the show. I feel like as I got more tired, you also got a little bit more tired, uh, but. 
you know what? That's what uh, that's what makes us human, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lingua. Well, before we get on out of here, would you like to say anything to our audience to, uh, you know, maybe uh, say goodbye or just to see you later? Maybe we'll bring you back at some point in the future. To all of the listeners out there, I hope you've enjoyed this musical journey through the world of video games. It's been a pleasure sharing these tracks with you and exploring the wide range of emotions, memories, and experiences that video game music can evoke. Remember, gaming is not only about the gameplay, but also about the incredible artistry and creativity that goes into the music that accompanies these virtual worlds. So keep on gaming, keep on moving to the beats, and keep on exploring new soundscapes. Until next time. Stay tuned and stay inspired. Wow. That's a sign-off right there, man. <laughs> Dude, that's so cool. Now, now she's showing you up. I know. <laughs> what happened to my keep the music playing and keep it loud, Lingua? Come on now. I don't know, man. You listen to the know, show. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's good, though. She said she's familiar with BG Mania. I asked her at the start, are you familiar with BG Mania? And she said, yeah, I've heard of it. And I said, okay, cool. Well, maybe she can come back in at the very end and uh, and read that final line for us in, <laughs> in that, that beautiful voice. <laughs> well, man, I know you're going to ask me. I don't have anything to plug. I am so tired. That's fair. That's fair. This one went long this, because this has been a lot took, of fun. Took a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of dedication to pull this one off. But uh, again, reach out, leave comments, let us know what you thought. It is an idea that I would enjoy doing again in the future. I think we would have to maybe refine how we approach picking tracks through the AI to where we're not struggling so much and spending a half hour trying to find just one particular piece of music. But um, <laughs> this episode and last I week's with, with the tweaking. randomizer. Yeah, yeah, I really want to do these again. Work. Yeah, I would really love to do these again. So reach out, let us know what you thought. If you enjoyed it, we'll put it on the calendar again at some point in the future. But uh, do you have nothing to plug? I unfortunately think that'll bring us to the close of the show for this week. We do want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania, made possible, of course, by RPG Era Com. If you like video game music and more importantly you like us and you want to help us grow this show, check the description box for ways you can do just that, including a link to join our Discord community. Click it, join it, and interact with us. Bedroth, taking us out once again. What are we listening to? Here's the Well, you know name. what? I am going to pass that on to Oh, uh, that's to right. Lingua yeah, you don't actually do it on this to. one, do you? Yeah, you don't do that. Lingua! <laughs> what are we closing out with, Lingua? Closing out this episode, let's take a listen to ending one from Nindo. Way of the Ninja, released in March 1993, composed by Yuri Wakakua. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.